This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Today is the uh, 12th yard site of my uh, father in law, Gershon. Dave Ber ben Absimon. Shama should have an aliyah. We'll dedicate today's class in his honor. So we are in the middle of letter number 29, page 218. So he says, with the previous explanation that it's the will of the mitzvah, the will of the mitzvah which acts as a garment to the soul, it wraps the soul envelops the soul and it enables the soul to experience godliness, to be able to receive godliness. Because the mitzvah, it's the divine will that draws down that godly energy and that divine revelation and it's the divine will that also acts as a screen and as a shield that enables the soul, it envelops the soul and uplifts the soul and enables the soul to connect with the divine and then to experience the divine. Because the will is itself like a garment. It's a garment, it's the external expression of the pleasure, which is the internal, God's divine pleasure, which expresses itself in the will. Will is uh, outward focused versus pleasure is, is inward, inner. Inward focus. So the pleasure, this is God's infinite pleasure. And it's two sides of the same coin. The will, you, will, you want what you desire, what you find pleasurable. So the will of the mitzvah, this, these are the, this is the expression of the pleasure. And the will is outward focus. God wants us to do a mitzvah. And, um, and by doing the mitzvah, we have the will of Hashem, which also contains, when you have the external, you have the garment, you also have what it comes with it, the internal, the pleasure of Hashem. We don't sense that pleasure when we do the mitzvah while we're alive physically in this world, but in the afterlife, especially after Mashiach will come, then... In the afterlife, the soul gets a little glimpse, a little glimmer of a ray of the pleasure, of that infinite divine pleasure that of Hashem is revealed to the soul. But how is the soul able to receive it and to absorb it only because of the mitzvah? Because you have the mitzvah protects you and shields you and enables you to receive it without becoming nullified. You retain your, the soul retains its sense of separation, its sense of self-consciousness, and yet the soul is able to glimpse the divine, the godly, the infinite. 
So he says, now with this explanation, with this introduction, now we'll be able to understand the meaning of the Zohar, which we just celebrated two days ago, Lagbom, where we celebrated the author of the Zohar. So he quotes the Zohar. This is the meaning of the statement in the sacred Zohar, Parsha Tukudeh, page 229b, that the good deeds, i.e. the mitzvah which man does elicit a garment from the light of the supernal splendor, i.e. from the level of Kesar, and they behold the pleasantness of Hashem, and also, as the Zohar concludes, they experience the pleasurable thirst, i.e. the of Kesar. The internal Kesar, the will, that's the external level of Kesar. And the uh, internal level of Keter, that's the pleasure, the divine pleasure, which the soul basks in and benefits from and enjoys. Now he asks a question. Though there, the Zohar speaks of the lower Garden of Eden, where the garments derive from the truly practical commandments, so that they result not from supernal will as above, but from the merit of physical action, while in the upper Garden, of Eden, the garments derived from the love and devotion of the heart with respect to Torah and prayer, as stated in the Zohar Adlah, page 210. The Zohar states that once the soul possesses, while in the lower garden of Eden, the garments of the mitzvah that derive from physical actions, it then rises to the upper garden of Eden. So here he just finished explaining that the only way that the soul can access the infinite is only through the mitzvah and the soul has to come down into this world again and again in order to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs so that every part of the soul is enveloped by the mitzvah. And you fulfill God's will, which is that we should fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. And that acts as a garment that envelops the soul and connects the soul like an elevator that lifts up the soul to the highest, to the Keter, to Hashem, to the infinite, connects us with the infinite, and envelops us, surrounds the soul, and elevates the soul. Touch the divine, to be touched and touch the divine. And it's only through these garments that the soul is able then to receive the joy and the pleasure of the light of Hashem, the infinite pleasure of Hashem. But this is only true of the lower level of Ganeid. The Zohar itself says that this the higher level of the Garden of Eden. What, what uh, becomes the garments of the soul in the higher level of the Garden of Eden, they are the intention of the mitzvah. So a Jew only fulfilled the mitzvah without any deep intention. Just as a Jew. I'm a Jew and I know I have to do the right thing and I go ahead and I do the right thing. So those mitzvot surround you. In the afterlife, those mitzvot surround you and they become the garments and enable you to dwell and reside in the lower level of Ganed. Even though there are infinite levels of the Garden of Eden, but in general there are two categories called the lower level and the higher level. Those who did the Torah and Mitzvot with intent, with a deep focus and concentration and the Mitzvot were heartfelt and they were done passionately and joyfully then that intent and that joy and that inner energy, that energy envelops the soul and enables the soul to be elevated to the higher level of Ganeid. So here we just finish explaining that all the the revelation of the infinite could only come about through mitzvot. 
Because the mitzvot are the divine will. And the divine will is the action. God wants us to do, physically do the mitzvah. If you don't do the mitzvah, you can have all the intentions in the world. You have nothing. You have not fulfilled the divine will. You could be mystical, you could be spiritual, you could be dancing with the angels. You could be delusional as well. But they have nothing to do with Hashem. You don't know what God looks like. When you do the mitzvah, you follow the code of Jewish law, you put on the tefillin, you light the candles, you give the tzedakah, you physically do all 630 mitzvahs, you're touching the divine. You have Hashem's will. And that's the only thing that can, that can elevate us and connect us with the infinite, with the keter, with the crown, with the infinite. So how does the Zohar say that the, and that the garments of the soul are the feelings, the emotions, the intent? You put it to the mitzvah. That's inadequate. How does that enable you to receive the infinite pleasure of Hashem, the infinite light of Hashem? A soul is finite. A soul is limited. The whole premise of this whole letter the beginning of the letter is quoting the Arizal that the soul is limited. The soul cannot absorb the infinite without becoming nullified. The only way the soul could retain its identity and absorb the infinite, or at least glimpse the infinite, derive pleasure from the infinite, as he just stated, a pleasurable thirst, pleasantness of Hashem, it's only as a result of the garments which are the will of Hashem, which act as a garment and a protector and a shield that enables us to look in the sun. Just like you can't look at the sun directly, it'll blind you, unless you're wearing colored, colored glasses that enable you to look. So the garment, the will of Hashem, also acts as a garment, as a shield that enables us to look and to derive benefits from Hashem's infinite light. So, so that's the mitzvah, the physical mitzvah. But how, but how could the Zohar say that on the higher level of Ganeden, it's not the physical mitzvah that acts as a garment that enables us to receive the pleasures, the revelations, the intense divine godly revelations in the higher level of Ganeden, but it's the it's the soul, the, the intent of the soul that the soul invested in the mitzvah, the feeling and the emotions and the focus and concentration and intent, how could that act as a garment? How could that enable the soul to receive the infinite light without being nullified? That's his question. However, this devotion from whence these garments derive refers to the devotion of one's occupation with Torah for its own sake out of one's love for God. So he's answering the, the... When the Zohar says... When the Zohar says that the garments for the higher level of Ganeden derive from the intent, the soul's intent... He's not talking about from the soul's meditation per se. He's talking about from the soul's intent, whatever the soul invested in the mitzvah. When the soul does the mitzvah joyfully and passionately, and the soul is totally focused on the mitzvah. So it's not, you don't divorce the soul's intent from the mitzvah. It's on the contrary, it's the soul investing himself in the mitzvah that the mitzvah comes alive. It becomes a living mitzvah. The mitzvah comes alive. It's a joyful mitzvah. The mitzvah expands. The mitzvah is beautiful. The mitzvah is done. It's a heartfelt mitzvah. It's alive. You know, you can learn Torah and you can pray. 
and it's dead. Like a difference when a person speaks about something that you care about. You know, most people drone on and on and <laughs> put you to sleep. But when a person talks about something that matters to them, when they have these meetings here in the city, you know, the, uh, the, the landlord-tenant and the rent control meetings, are you kidding? The tenants give such eloquent speeches, they put Churchill to shame. <laughs> when they start talking about something that matters to them or something they care about, all of a sudden, money, all of a sudden, people are brilliant, lucid, to the point. Most of the time they speak, 99% of the time, that's not to the point. Hakan China. Here, all of a sudden, they're so brilliant, eloquent, not a wasted word, so moving, passion. Because when you talk about something you care about, it's alive. When you talk about something you don't care about, you just drone on and on and on. That's how most people do They just drone on and on. It's just like a, a machine. They press the button and it just drones on. There's no, there's no life, there's no soul, there's no passion, there's no feeling. You're not even thinking about the words. You're just reading, reading it automatically. Automatic pilot. But imagine a prayer. If you care, if you're moved by the prayer, if you're inspired by the prayer, you're inspired that you're standing in front of Hashem, and you're moved, and you're touched, and you're, and you're joyful, and you're dancing with joy, you're studying Torah. It could be a mechanical event. It's dead, soulless, lifeless. It's an obligation, a duty that you have to do. You force yourself. You beer and grin and you just go move on. Or, I'm studying Torah. I'm standing at Sinai. God is my teacher. God is speaking to me. God is right in front of me. Hashem is right in front of me. I'm learning Hashem's wisdom, His infinite wisdom. I'm becoming one with Hashem. The Torah is alive. You're dancing with joy. The Torah... You're so focused, you're so concentrated, you're so eager, you're so enthusiastic, you're so excited. So the intent that the Zohar is referring to is not just meditation for the sake of meditation, spirituality divorced from mitzvot, no. Spirituality divorced from mitzvot is worthless. It has no value. We're talking about the spirituality that's invested in the mitzvah, where the soul is invested in the mitzvah. And the mitzvah comes alive. The words of Torah come alive. The words of prayer come alive. So when the Zohar says that the garments, that the garments of the higher level of Gan Eden, of the Garden of Eden, comes from the, the, uh, the feelings and the passions of the soul, the intent that you invested, it's the intent that the soul invested in the mitzvah. So again, it's the mitzvah the, the garment comes from the mitzvah, the mitzvah of the divine will. But you can do a mitzvah flat, and it's flat, and it's mechanical. So then the garments that come from the mitzvah only elevate you to the lower level of the Garden of Eden. Yes, you're enveloped in the, in the will of Hashem, in the garments, all these holy garments. You do a mitzvah, it's a divine garment, it's a holy garment. It's an elevator that elevates you and lifts you up, envelops you and elevates you and lifts you up, but only to a limit, only to the lower level of Gandhi. But when you do the mitzvah with soul and passion, so because you've done the mitzvah, then that garment, the will of Hashem, acts as a garment, but because you've done the mitzvah with soul and passion, the soul is elevated to a higher level, is boosted to a much higher level, a higher level of revelation of Hashem.
if we don't understand the true meaning of the mitzvah, how do we get the intention to connect to it? Well, just knowing that the mitzvahs are divine, and every time we do a mitzvah, we touch the divine. In there's, the general sense. Yes. Well, not a specific. Even in general, there's, no, there's nothing in the universe. There's nothing that we can do that will enable us to touch the divine. The gap between us and Hashem is unbridgeable. It's all the religion in the world and all the intensity and religiosity and spirituality it won't get us one iota closer to God. A million, a billion, a trillion, a zillion. There's not one iota closer to infinity than one. There's no connection, there's no relationship. There's no relationship. The only thing we can do, God, out of His kindness, threw us a line and He says, I'm, you want to connect with me? There's only one way. It's called revelation. 613 mitzvah. When you do a mitzvah, you're touching the divine. There's nothing that you can do. Angels can't touch the divine. Angels sit and meditate for thousands of years. They, they don't take any coffee breaks. There's no Chinese restaurant. You don't sleep. All they do is meditate day and night. Praise. Sing God's praises. Are spiritual. And they don't know what God looks like. They're not even close. They don't have a relationship with God. Angels don't say, you are my God. They can't say that. Only a Jew can say, Hashem Elokeinu, you're my God. They have no connection to God. Well, what did they don't even know what God looks like. But when you do a mitzvah, you're touching the divine and you're being touched by the divine. So a Jew gets excited about that. You realize what a gift it is. What a treasure. There's no one in the universe that has this. And Hashem gave it to us, physical human beings, with all our foibles and all our, our mishagas and all our limitations. Hashem gave us this gift. That's why it's called Matan Torah. The giving of a Torah is called a gift. It's not rules and laws and obligations. It's a gift, a treasure that Hashem gave us. They say, angel... What is it? Angel, uh, full step in where angels feel the tread, okay? I agree with you 100% that it's here, but it's also in other places. Bereshit bara lakim. In the beginning, God created Eta Shamayim created heaven and he created earth. People confuse godliness with spirituality. Just like God created earth, he created heaven. Um, you know, we, the Jewish people, we don't confuse. That's the difference between Judaism and all other religions and all other mysticism. We don't confuse spirituality with God. Um, spirituality is very powerful, as we're going to learn in a moment. Because a person who's spiritual is open versus a person who's egotistical, smug, content, is a closed book. Closed mind is like a stone. Not open to anything, not open to change, just to close. You know, all it takes is to block out the whole world. Just put your finger in front of your eyes and you're blind, deaf, and dumb. You can have eyes, you don't see, you have ears, you don't hear. You know, you're asleep. A person who's awake, a person who's spiritual, a person who's alive, a person who's, you know, searching and seeking, and the soul is open. Um, but the question is, open to what? When spirituality becomes an end in itself, it's a road to nowhere. 
person who's spiritual and he's open, it opens him up to Hashem, it opens him up to appreciate the divinity of a mitzvah, to open up to appreciate the infinite, open him up to appreciate you know, the essence of Hashem which transcends the whole frame of reference of the universe, not just the universe. It's, it's, you know, then the mitzvah that you do is sincere, heartfelt, genuine, meaningful, powerful, joyful, passionate, energetic. The mitzvah comes alive. Then the mitzvah soars. The mitzvah flies. It has wings. Versus a Jew who's doing all the right things, but his soul is dead, mechanical, going through the motions. So although he's on the train. I mean, if you have a Jew who's mystical and spiritual who doesn't do the mitzvah, he completely missed the boat, you know. If a person sits Passover night and he's dancing with the angels and he deeply meditates on the meaning of matzah and the meaning of the exodus and doesn't physically eat the matzah, he missed the train, he missed the boat. You didn't do what Hashem wanted you to do. So if you don't do what Hashem wanted you to do, there's no connection. Um, because it's only Hashem's will that can create a connection. Because really there is no connection. No matter how spiritual and mystical and refined we are, there's zero connection between us and God. The only way we can connect with God is because God wants us to do something. And we do it. That will, and if we do exactly what He wants us to do, if a person says, listen, let me turn Wednesday night into Shabbos. I'm going skiing in the weekend. Let me just push it off to Wednesday. <laughs> it's very nice. But it's, Hashem says, it's very nice, but it's not what I want. It's very good, but there's no connection to me. Don't confuse it with Judaism. I mean, call it whatever you want, but it's not, it's not what I want. You know, when a person wants something, either you do what he wants or you don't do what he wants. It has to be 100% what I want. You can't do 99% what I want. It's very nice, but this is not what I asked for. But when you do what Hashem wants, that creates the connection. So it's, by, it's only by the will of Hashem, and that's the theme of this letter. It's only through the will of Hashem. The mitzvah is expressed in the mitzvah that we can really connect with Hashem. Otherwise, there's no connection. There's, there's zero connection. We're not even getting closer. We're not even in the ballpark. You know, it's like, you know, if someone, someone told you two plus two is red, it's like nonsensical, ridiculous. There's no relationship. It's like the most nonsensical statement. So to say that God is spiritual is the equivalent of saying two plus two is red. There's no relationship, there's no connection. God creates heaven and earth. It's all a creation. It's all, this is not God. And all of creation is with ten utterances. Like, it's like us saying one word. It, it, it's nothing in comparison to the speaker and what's behind the speech and the, the, the essence of the person. It, 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 there's no relationship, no connection, no value. It means nothing. So we have a very real problem. That's our existential problem. That's the deep Jewish problem. And the answer to that is revelation. There is no other answer. 
called the code of Jewish law. It's the divine will. There is no other answer. But it's not enough just to do the mitzvah mechanically and by road, just fulfill your obligation. Yes, you're on the train, but you're on fourth class. You're, 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 you have to go, you're traveling on the train, you're ready on the train. You're ready doing what Hashem wants you to do. You're ready doing everything that He asks you to do. You're studying Torah, you're praying, you're doing the mitzvah. You're, leading in a, you're observing, you're, you're leading a Jewish life. You're thinking like a Jew and speaking like a Jew and acting like a Jew and doing exactly what Hashem asks of you. Go first class. Do it with joy. Be spiritual. Be open. Be sensitive. Be, be deep. Be genuine. Be authentic. But it's not authenticity and genuineness and spirituality per se. Because that doesn't get us anywhere. You know, the you know, this is all a lead up to Shavuos. Shavuos is the holiday of the giving of the Torah. It's all around the corners. It's very apropos. And the Balshemtiv passed away on Shavuot founder of the Hasidic movement, Rabbi Israel Vashemtiv. Israel Vashemtiv. So he once gave a beautiful analogy. He said, he was once a, uh, a king and um, the Nobel Prize winner, the biggest genius alive, had an appointment with the king. And it was a simple, simple to know had an appointment with the king. Nobel, he's never been to the palace. This learned scholar, accomplished person, never wasted a day of his life before he even gets to the palace. It's like the Versailles garden. He's just, it's breathtaking. The garden around the palace. And he appreciates everything that he sees. He knows the root and the history of every plant and every, exactly where it comes from. He's just mesmerized. It's just an experience. He's just drinking it all in. It takes him an hour before he even gets to the palace. Finally, he gets to the palace. Forget about it. The architect. He's never seen dazzling beauty in his life. And he drinks it all in. He knows exactly which time period and which, which era. And It takes him an hour. He's just drinking it all in. And then you get to the palace. You don't just get to the king. There's foyer after foyer. The rarest paintings hanging on the wall. Paintings that he's only read about. He's never seen in his life by all the masters, the world's masters. He knows the story behind each painting. He just stops in front of each painting and drinks it all. By the time he makes it to the, to the chamber, the inner chamber, he missed his appointment. He missed his appointment. <laughs> missed his appointment. And you have a simple person. He knows nothing about botany. knows less about architecture, even less about art. So it's a long walk. You have to cross through the gardens and the palace. But within 20 minutes... He's, he's sitting with the king. And he's sitting there for three hours. <laughs> so at the end of the day, who's ahead of the game? What is the palace all about? The palace is just the trappings of the king. The palace all about is about the king. But it's the majesty of the king, the trappings surrounding the king. So this chacham, this wise man, got so caught up in the trappings, in the majesty, he missed the point. He missed the boat. He forgot what it's all about. The main event he missed. <laughs> the simple person got straight to the point. When you have the king, you have everything that comes with the king. And that's why the Medr says that the Jewish people are wise while everyone else is choosing, this one is choosing the duke and this one is choosing the minister. 
But the Jew says, I want to speak to the king. I'm not interested. I don't want to get distracted. I keep my eye on the ball. What's the eye on the ball? The simple mitzvah. When you take that simple black leather hide of the animal and you wrap it around you. When you take that money and give tzedakah, that hard-earned money, ultimate ego symbol, and you give tzedakah, you do an act of goodness and kindness. You light the Shabbat candle, you eat the matzah. You're physically doing the mitzvah. It's simple, but that simple act touches the divine. That simple act, you're fulfilling the divine will. You did exactly what Hashem wants us to do. So we look at it as a tremendous gift, as an opportunity. Hashem threw us a line. This is the only language, the divine language, the only language through which we can truly connect with Hashem. We're not negating. We're not anti-intellectual. We're not negating spirituality. But when spirituality becomes an end in itself, then we just become marooned, marooned in outer space. That's why the Talmud says there are four rabbis who entered into the pardis, into the deep, esoteric, mystical garden. Rabbi Akiva, Ben Azai, Ben Zoma, and Elisha Ben Avuya, four colleagues. Ben Azai died from the experience. It was so overwhelming that his soul just expired, like Nadav and Avi. Ben Zoma went mad, came insane. Maybe he was sane, and we're insane, but <laughs> he just couldn't, couldn't fit, he just couldn't return back to this drab world that we all live in and occupy. He, just, he went insane. Elisha ben Avuya became a heretic. Organized religion, man. I don't need mitzvot, I don't need all these props, these traditions. I'm mystical, I'm spiritual. Became a heretic. Rabbi Kiva was the only one who entered in peace and he left in peace. He was whole and intact. He went right back to the 613 mitzvot. Now he did it with enthusiasm, with a depth, as a result of his experience. So when you go out in outer space, the most important part is the re-entry, to be able to come back down. When you go up the mountain, you have to be able to come back down the mountain and be wiser and enriched by that experience, but not be distracted by the experience. If I understand correctly, uh, in the Tanya, in, in Chabad, the irrational mitzvahs are considered at least as, as important as the rational well, actually, the super-rational mitzvot, what they represent, when it, they represent the will of Hashem, the pure, unadulterated will of Hashem that has not filtered through the level of intellect. In other words, I don't understand. The intellect doesn't appreciate, doesn't understand. The idea of the chukah is not only just as important, it's even, it's even more important. Because the truth is, all the mitzvot are chukim. All the mitzvot are really... What's behind the mitzvah, it's really the divine will. And the, that's the essence of the mitzvah. Those mitzvot that do make sense to us, you know why it makes sense to us? Because God wanted it to make sense to us. That He allowed the will to be filtered 
down into the world of intellect, that even the world of intellect also has some glimpse, some understanding, some sense, that even the world of intellect also agrees. But as we learned here in the beginning of the letter, the rational is almost like a rationalization of the willpower. We see willpower is much deeper than intellect. When a person is stubborn, I want to do something, all the reasons and the arguments in the world are not going to sway you one way or the other. Willpower is much deeper, comes from a much deeper place within the soul. It transcends the intellect. And the intellect is almost like a rationalization. It's almost like an excuse. You want to explain, you know why I want this? It's like, what comes first? What comes first is the willpower. And the intellect is an explanation. It's a nice uh, dressing, window dressing, to explain and to rationalize why I want it. That's what we find in the Torah, something fascinating, right in the beginning of the Torah. In the, book of, in the book of Genesis, the very first Torah portion, God says, I want to wipe out mankind. Why? Because man is created with an evil inclination. The moment he's born, he's created with evil inclination. So that's a reason to wipe out mankind. I'm pressing the delete button. I'm starting all over again with Noah. The next Torah portion, after the flood, he makes a covenant with Noah, with the rainbow, and he promises he'll never ever destroy mankind again. Why? Listen to the reason. The exact same wording, the exact same reason. Because man is born with an evil inclination <laughs> from the moment he's born, and therefore I promise I'll never... Is that a reason not to destroy mankind? Well, that's a reason not to destroy mankind. It just comes to show that reason is overrated. Reason comes after the fact. What's really behind it is the will. This is what I want. And when you want something, then you'll, you'll justify it, you'll rationalize it, you'll explain it. You'll, it's almost like a, a... But it's the will that brings the explanation. And therefore you can have the same explanation for two opposite, opposite wills. Because it's not, it doesn't originate with the, with the understanding. For even the mitzvot that do make sense, it doesn't originate, oh, because it makes sense, that's why Hashem wants you to do that. No. Well, in that case, what's the difference between Judaism and... and uh... Islam, uh, you know, what is it, ISIS and uh, Schopenhauer, the will, the world is will and idea, you know, and, and uh, Hitler, uh, the will, the will, we were, right, we, were, we were right, we have the will, therefore we have a right to kill everybody. If you want to enthrone the will, then there's no limit, right? Well, no, because when Hashem explained his will, the mitzvot which are logical and rational, it's because Hashem wanted and said, thou shalt not steal, that's why, thou shalt not murder, that's why it makes sense to us that we should not murder. That's why the idea of, of, of not stealing and not murdering makes sense to us. The reason it makes sense to us, ultimately, is because this is what Hashem wanted. It's not, it's not because, ultimately, it's really because of Hashem's will. But Hashem's will, in this case, in those mitzvot that are logical and rational, the mitzvah has filtered down, the will has filtered into the level of intellect that even our being and our intellect should also coincide. We have to be disgusted by murder. We have to be disgusted by theft. Because Hashem desired and wanted that in these mitzvot, the mitzvot should also filter down into our understanding. And that's why our intellect is disgusted by, by, uh, by murder and by, uh, by theft. All the mitzvot between man and man, the mitzvot that makes sense to us. 
But the reason is ultimately it's because God desired it. So that's really the key and the essence behind all the mitzvah. So the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe said the world makes a mistake. The world says that halavai, we should do the mitzvot that transcend logic the same way we do the mitzvot that make sense. Even though our mind doesn't agree with it, we don't understand it, but we rationalize, say, you know, God has a good reason. It's just too deep for me to understand. So I do it with the same enthusiasm. He says it's the exact opposite. Halavai, we should do the mitzvot that do make sense to us. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. With the same enthusiasm that we do the mitzvot that transcend because what's really the essence behind the mitzvot, it's the will of Hashem. This is an expression of God's infinite self of Himself. This is what He wants. And even the mitzvot that do make sense to us, ultimately, it's because why don't we steal? Why don't we kill? Because God said so. And it's absolute. And even the fact that it makes sense to us not to steal and not to kill, even the fact that we're repulsed by the act of stealing and killing, etc., that itself is because that's what Hashem wanted. It's because Hashem says, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not kill. In these instances, He allowed it to even become filtered down that every part of us, every fiber of our being, every bone, our body, our mind, our heart also coincides with the will and senses and feels that it's something that's repulsive and something that, that's disgusting and completely repulsive. But ultimately it's divine. Everything is divine. For a Jew, all 613 mitzvot are divine. Even the sensible and rational laws of thou shalt not murder and thou shalt not steal and thou shalt not be cruel. Ultimately, there's a divine foundation for everything. And that's why it's not limited. That's why we do it and that's why it's absolute for us. You know, for us, Nazism, brutality, we completely reject it. We completely reject that whole approach to life. Might makes right and the evil and cruelty. Because it's divine-based. It's godly and it's holy. And therefore, there's no rationalizations and there's no... It's unbending, it's unyielding. For a Jew, Torah and mitzvah are absolute. Torah and mitzvah are divine. And we don't budge. We don't yield. We don't compromise. And that is why every Jew that's alive today, the only reason we're alive today, after 3,800 years, because every Jew that's alive today, all 14 million, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, for thousands of years, without any interruption, connected, lived a Jewish life, the Torah and the mitzvah, touched the divine, lived by the will of Hashem, unyielding, unmoving, unbending, uncompromising, a stiff-necked people. The world came down on us like a ton of bricks. The whole world opposed us and nothing could deter us, nothing could distract us. We had this connection. Judaism was our life. This is our lifeline. Torah, mitzvah, the Jewish way of life, this is our lifeline. 
This is our connection to the infinite, to the divine, to Hashem. It's absolute, unyielding, uncompromising. And this is what kept us thousands of years. If you look objectively throughout history, all those Jews who stopped observing Torah and mitzvot disappeared. Two generations, three generations, four generations. You're not going to find a fifth generation reform. It's almost unheard of. Every Jew that's alive today is because our parents, without any interruption for thousands of years, kept the Torah and the mitzvah. Because this is the divine will. This is what kept us alive. This is our connection. It's beyond religion. It's beyond mysticism. It's deeper than religion. It's deeper than mysticism. This is the essence, the core and essence. The absolute essence of Hashem. That's the Torah. That's revelation. It's incomparable to anything else. There's nothing like it. There never was, and there never will be another revelation. There's one Torah. There's one blueprint. There's one truth. There's one reality. Absolute emes. That's Hashem Himself. And every Jew is a walking, is a, is a walking testimony to this miraculous phenomenon. Because the chances of us surviving and existing after 3,800 years is uh, it's an impossibility. You know, as Kant says, how do I know there's a God in this world? He says, I look up and I see the stars and I look at the Jewish people. There's no logical explanation of this tiny people, crushed, oppressed, unanimously throughout the whole world, thousands of years. And yet, we're still here. We never left the front pages of history. We're the mighty Romans, the mighty Greeks. Footnotes in history, gone. And the Jew never changes. So a Jew represents the essence of reality, the essence of Hashem. But is all of the mitzvot that we, so to speak, can't understand on our own, that we like, that we just have to do, are any of them given to the seven Noahide categories of laws, or is they are they all for the, the Jewish people? They, they are for the Jewish people. The seven Noahide laws are actually the laws that are sensible, that do make sense. Even the ones, but I thought the Noahide laws include the not eating of a, a part of a live animal. Yeah, that, that, that's cruelty to animals. That makes a lot of but sense. it's not something no. inherent. No. no. That, the theme of the seven Noahide laws, which are the universal Ten Commandments, which are applicable to all seven billion people. You know, we Jews are the only people in the world we not only don't proselytize, we actively discourage proselytization because you don't have to be Jewish to be connected with God. Every human being is created in the image of God. Noah was a non-Jew, and he was a hero. He single-handedly saved the world. But the Noahide laws don't even require people to believe in Hashem. No, of course they do. That, they is, do. that, that is one of the, that's, that's the foundation of everything. That, that's the pillar and foundation of everything. Without that, there's nothing. Uh, to believe in God, you're not allowed to curse God, um, you're not allowed to steal. You have, you have to have courts. Uh, you're not allowed to, um, you know, be cruel to animals. You're not allowed to murder. And you're not allowed to commit adultery. And belief in God and, and not worship idols. So these are the seven, these are like the seven, these are like the Ten Commandments. The general generalization, which have hundreds of details. 
which are applicable to all mankind. Every human being is created in the image of God. And, but the theme of the seven Noahide laws is to settle this world, to lead a civilized life, a moral, ethical, spiritual life, a meaningful life, purposeful life. And that's the connection of seven billion people to God when they fulfill their divine mission. So a righteous Gentile has to believe in Hashem? Absolutely. Okay, but, you know, let's continue. This is not on one, uh, one foot. <laughs> this is a... Uh, this is a... I think the more you study Tanya, I think a lot of these issues become a lot clearer. The, the depth of Yiddishkeit and the essence of Yiddishkeit, I think it clears up a lot of, a lot of these uh, questions and issues. Okay, continue. Study Torah. The study Torah also belongs to the class of practical commandments. For the movement of one's lips and speech is regarded as an act, and meditation does not count as speech, as one does not discharge his duty by meditation alone. The same applies. applies to prayer. There, too, one must actually articulate the words, since both Torah study and prayer require action. Even the garments that are created by devout Torah and prayer are considered to be derived from the tangible and active aspect of mitzvah. They, too, are garments that derive from the light of Ket. So the garment comes from the will of Hashem. You fulfill the will of Hashem. You study the Torah. You moved your lips. You moved your lips and prayed. If you just meditate and you don't move your lips, you have not fulfilled your obligation of prayer. The same as with studying Torah. To fulfill the mitzvah of studying Torah properly, you actually have to move your lips and read the words, say the words, which is a physical act. So it's only by physically, the physical act of doing the mitzvah, that fulfills the divine will, that creates the garment. But when the prayer, the moving of the lips in prayer, both prayer and studying of Torah is done with intent, with focus and concentration, it's heartfelt and with sincerity and depth and soul and energy, then the garment elevates you to a different level. The garments elevate you to the higher level of Ganadin, which enables the soul to, re- to receive a higher level of uh, pleasure, a higher level of revelation of God, a more intense revelation of, of Hashem. Okay, so that's one, one part of the explanation. And the other part of the explanation is... And certainly so, considering that the superiority of devotion to Vana over speech and action as much as devotion can create garments for the soul in the upper garden of Eden, it is not due to its own merits, as in the loving service of Hashem. But because of the radiation of the supernal will, when a mitzvah is performed, the radiation of the supernal will is more manifest in its more spiritual aspect, in its devout and loving intent than it is tangible and physical aspect. As explained later in Lukate Amarim. When yet the sun is shining, so how much of the sun enters the room? It depends. If I just have a little uh, pinhole and only a, a, a ray, a little, tiny little ray enters the room. The greater the window, the larger the opening, the more the sun shines. The sunshine is the same. But the degree, it's only a question of degree. How much could enter? So too, he explains there 
that every mitzvah is the will of Hashem. But depending on the level of spirituality that you put into the mitzvah, depending on the window that you're opening, basically, then the light of Hashem could manifest itself in a, in a much, to a higher degree, to a greater degree. So when a person just does the mitzvah, he's like a stone. A stone exists. But it's a stone. There's no sign of life. It doesn't even grow. It can stand, sit there for thousands of years. Unless you kick it and move it, nothing, nothing happens. So if a person is like a stone, you're doing the mitzvah. But that's all it is. There's no life, there's no energy, there's no, there's no enthusiasm, there's no passion. You're just doing it. It's an obligation. You're doing it. Like paying income taxes. You, you do it. You have to do it. So you did the mitzvah. You have the will. You did what Hashem wanted you to do. But, it's, but there's no light. No light can enter. There's no window. There's no opening. You're like a stone. You're smug. You're content. You're complacent. You're satisfied with yourself. There's no spirituality. There's no opening. Then, there's the organic life. Ah, oh, here I see signs of life. There's growth. Grows. So there's an expression of life. So when a, 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 a Jew does the mitzvah, he does it with emotions, with feeling. So there, there, there is a level of spirituality. It's a low level of spirituality, but at least there's some signs of life. Then you have a higher level of life, animal life. An animal is cooped up in a cage and it grows like a tree. It's, it's cruel to the animal. The animal needs to roam. That's a sign of life. It needs to move. It needs to roam. So it's a much more complex and a much higher form of life. So when a person involves and engages his mind, not just his heart, but engages his mind to the mitzvah. He appreciates the mitzvah, understands the mitzvah in depth. And there's, it's a much higher, you're opening a bigger window. So the degree of the divine is revealed in a much higher level. And then there's the mystical aspect. A human being, a person, is a much higher form of life than an animal life. So spiritually speaking, when a person is, is mystical and spiritual and becomes egoless, and you connect with Hashem on such a deep mystical level, that's like the highest form of life. So then the degree of the divine illumination is, is much greater. So it's just a question of degree. Existence is all the same. The, the, the stone also exists tree exists, the animal exists, the human being exists. The question is the level of life. The level of life that's expressed. So when you do the mitzvah, you have the will. You've done what Hashem wanted you. You have that connection. Even if you force a Jew to do a mitzvah, the mitzvah he's done. He has the mitzvah. You can have a person who has all the intent in the world, but he missed the boat. He missed the train. You force someone on the train. He doesn't want to go, but you force him on. He's on the train. He's going to make it. He's, he's going. You forced him on the plane. Well, he's going to arrive because he's there. But the person wanted so much, but he missed it. He missed it by a minute. He just missed it. He didn't make it. 
He missed it. A person could be mystical and spiritual and have all the intent in the world. You don't need the matzah and Pesach. You're nowhere. You've missed the train. you missed the plane. You force a Jew at gunpoint. Eat the matzah. I don't want to. I'm not interested. I don't care about my Jewishness. Don't hack me. Don't bother me. I don't want to put on tefillin. You put on the tefillin. You ate the matzah. The bottom line is you're on, you're on the plane. You're there. You want to. You don't want to. The fact is you're here. You have the will. You've done what Hashem wanted you to do. But if you're like a stone, you have to be forced to do the mitzvah. There's no feeling. There's no desire. There's no... Then it's lifeless. Like a stone. The more life you inject in the mitzvah, the higher the revelation of the infinite. So sure, you do a mitzvah, any mitzvah. You do a mitzvah you draw down the infinite. But the question is, did you bring God into a dungeon? Or did you bring Him into a palace? So when you do the mitzvah and you're grim, grim-faced about it, and you're upset and you're angry and you're, your heart is not into it and you desire, you have no desire to do the mitzvah. Okay, you brought God, mission accomplished, you're, on, you're, you're there, you brought God into the picture, you connected, but you brought him into a dungeon. Is this how you bring Hashem? You want to bring God into a palace. You want to bring him into the Hermitage, you want to bring him into a beautiful palace. When you do the mitzvah with feeling, in a mystical way, in a spiritual way, with heart, in a pure way, with sensitivity, egolessness with, with goodness and kindness and love and passion and energy uh, with intent and focus ah the light the windows are open the light shines in it's a palace you brought Hashem into a palace so it's just a question of degree it's just a question of the revelation the illumination but it's the illumination of the mitzvah because Hashem is here Hashem is here either way but is it a palace or is it a dungeon? So the greater the intent, the higher the intent, as a result of the higher intent, the soul in the afterlife, the garment of the mitzvah elevates you to the higher level of Ganeden, which is a much more intense revelation of Godliness, a much more intense level of pleasure that the soul, ecstasy and pleasure that the soul experiences as a result of the mitzvah that we've done in this world. So it's only by doing the mitzvot in this world. And that's why he quoted the Arizal, the, the uh, Jewish mystic par excellence, the beginning of the letter, that the soul has to come down through many reincarnations in order to fulfill all 613 mitzvot. Because if the soul does not fulfill all 613 mitzvot, when Mashiach will come, and there'll be this intense revelation of the infinite, of God's pleasure, of godliness. Those souls that did not fulfill all 613 mitzvot, he says, will become completely nullified. They won't be able to handle it. They'll become completely nullified. It's only those souls who, who, ha- who had the opportunity because of the many reincarnations to fulfill all 613 mitzvot, they'll be able to receive this divine revelation without being nullified. So it's only the mitzvah, it's only by doing the will of Hashem that we have the ability. We have the garments 
we draw down the will of Hashem, which contains in it the pleasure of Hashem, which will be revealed when Mashiach will come, this infinite revelation of Hashem, and the soul will be able to handle it and absorb it without being destroyed by it or nullified by it and will derive tremendous indescribable pleasure from this intense revelation. That will be the reward of Mashiach. That's the reward. That's the tremendous reward. But the reward comes as a result of the mitzvah that we do today. It's not like, uh, okay, God says, you do what I asked of you, and then I'm going to give you a reward. It's not two separate things. The reward is we accomplish the reward today. You know, we're putting the money in the bank, in our savings account. Every time we do a mitzvah, it's a, we're drawing down the will of Hashem, and we fulfill the will of Hashem entirely. We do 613 mitzvahs entirely, and then we'll merit the revelation of Hashem. You, you kind of put it, it's like it's black and white. Either you're on the boat or you're off the boat, okay? You missed the boat, too, bye, bye-bye. But I want to say that it's not black and white. I want to say that there's a, there's a gray area. And here's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Now, he's talking about prayer. Now, in philosophy of Chabad, Mindel points out, what is prayer in Chabad? There are four stages. Now, can we agree that what he says is more or less valid? So, my point is that the four stages he outlines, which are prayer, which is not just having the right kind of emotional energy and, and being in some kind of hysterical state, you know, so that God believes what you're saying. No. There's a technology of the sacred involved here. Four steps that if you don't do them, you're not, that's not really prayer. It's kind of like begging for something and, uh, you know, like projecting your authoritarian father in the sky, you know, and, Daddy, give me this, and that's just, you know, neurosis, you know, projection. But if you do those four stages, just so happens that four stages are exactly the same thing you do when you do Gestalt therapy. The same stages. So there's a, a case where it's not black and it's not white. The technology of the sacred of prayer and the technology of the sec secular Goyeshkite uh, is the same technology. So it can't be black and white. They're both right. All these four levels that he discusses, yeah. it's all premised on the fact that you're actually praying. If you sit in synagogue and you're quiet. He's talking about Hebron Nanur. Yeah. But if you're sitting in, in synagogue and you don't move your lips and you don't physically say the words and you work through all those four levels you're quietly and spiritually. Zero. In, in, it, you're saying the words you're physically moving your lips as Hashem required of us, as He asked of us, and you're going through all these four levels. That's the difference. Spirituality in Judaism is not divorced from the physical, simple mitzvah. You do the physical mitzvah, and, and we're not minimizing. You're doing the physical mitzvah, and you're doing it with all these levels of depth and spirituality. The difference is that in Judaism we understand that what's the main event? The main event is actually the mitzvah. Because when you're physically doing the mitzvah and you're physically moving your lips, you're doing what Hashem asked of you. But you can do what Hashem asked of you and, and you're a stone. So there's no light. No light can come in. There's no crack in the, in, the, in the wall. So there's no light. Or you can do it expansively. Your soul soars, your soul is open, your soul expands. Then you, you allow this infinite light, this divine connection, you allow it 
to be illuminated and to be and you know so it is, it soars, but it's it's the divine and it's the godly. So how do we connect with the divine and the godly? It's through the simple, the physical. That's the analogy of the Balsham the simple person goes straight to the king. You move your lips. That's the connecting with the king. That's doing Hashem's will. But when you do it with all the four levels and you go through all the spiritual levels, practically and emotionally and psychologically and spiritually and, and mystically, then you're making huge windows and you're allowing the light, the divine light to come in, to shine in. Then you've brought Hashem into a palace, an illuminated, rich, beautiful palace. So that, that's what's unique about Judaism. We never lose sight. We keep our eyes on the ball. I'm just... I'll just conclude uh, with one story. We discussed this a few times. It was a great chassid, great Lubavitch chassid, who spent decades working on himself, refining himself. He would fast. He would deprive himself. He would, he would study all night, wouldn't sleep, didn't eat enough, didn't sleep enough. You know, and his body couldn't take it. After he died young, he just... And, um, but he was totally clear to the last minute. The night, the last night in this world, he was surrounded by all of his colleagues. And he said, you know what? I would gladly give up my 30 years of fasting and everything that I have done to work so hard on myself, to refine myself, just to be able to live till dawn, to put on tefillin one more time in my life. I would gladly give it all up. And sadly, he passed away that night before he had a chance to. And the Hasidim said, you know what? He's 100% right. But it took 30 years of fasting and working on himself to appreciate the power, the divine power of simply putting on the tefillin and doing what Hashem wants you to do. And that's greater and that transcends the whole universe and all the angels, and all the higher levels of consciousness, and all, the whole frame of reference of the universe. It's that simple physical act of doing the mitzvah that touches us, that can, touches the divine, connects us with the infinite. But it took all those years of refinement to appreciate that. So for a Jew, the spirituality is not divorced from the mitzvah. That's exactly the point that he's making here. It's not the intent per se, spirituality per se. The spirituality is connected to the act, to the physical, to the mitzvah. That's the will of Hashem. But when you do it with feeling, then the will could, is illuminated and expands and expansive. Okay, just, uh, let's just finish this uh, part. The Rebbe explains there that the illumination from the supernal will that shines within the devotion that accompanies an action is likened to a soul relative to the illumination that shines in the action itself, which is likened to the body or garment for the soul. The difference is thus only in the degree of contraction or emanation of this radiation. From the above, it's clear that even the garments for the soul that are created for the devotion and feeling that accompany Torah and prayer also result only from the radiation of the supernal will which is the supernal center. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.